This morning, I'd invite you to turn with me to the 18th chapter of the book of Luke. Luke chapter 18. And I'll, uh, I'll be honest with you this morning, this sermon's probably as much for me as it is for anyone. And I'll take you behind the scenes a little bit in that um, certainly throughout the week, I, 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 I try to ask the Lord for what it is that and I, I'm supposed to share what I'm supposed to preach, and um, I try to study and, and meditate upon the Word and, and find where it is that God wants me to be. And um, this week, though, I took a request to God um, for, for the things that were on my heart, um, and that specifically is that I might give encouragement to the weary, and um, that I would encourage those that are weary. And I suppose that, that I am first and foremost amongst those that are weary, um, I am mostly weary because of this circumstance and situation with COVID, and um, it, it makes me weary as a pastor uh, to, to not be able to, to reach uh, the flock in the normal way. And um, I was reminded, though, in the midst of that weariness, uh, back in September at the association, I had made a motion and asked Brother Jeremy Miller to uh, write a, a report to put in the front of the association minute concerning the state of the churches in 2022, or excuse me, 2021, and why we had not met in 2020 in the situation with the pandemic. And uh, Brother Jeremy had sent me his draft of that earlier this week, and as I read through it, and um, as I, I contemplated the last uh, nearly two years and what we've endured, um, while I was made uh, not to suddenly not be weary anymore, the weariness remained. I was made to be grateful in recognizing how God has been with us all this time and how not only has He been with us, but He has provided us with new opportunities that we are able to use for His calls. New opportunities that we're able to use for, for His worship, for His praise, for His honor, for His glory. Listen, we would not have these means that are available to us today if not for the pandemic. And uh, so in that way, it also gave me a thankful heart, and I'm grateful for that. But um, I, I want to, to look today uh, to, to what Scripture encourages us or, or how Scripture encourages us concerning weariness. And um, I, I want you to know right off the bat that uh, God's desired state for His people is not that they would be weary. God does not desire us to be weary. That is not God's desired state for His children. And uh, maybe we'll talk about what God's desire state is for His children uh, here in a little bit. But I want you to know, God is not pleased. God is not somehow satisfied. God's desire for you is not that you would be weary. And uh, so this morning, um, I share in your weariness. But know that God's desire is that we would not be weary. And instead, His desire is that we would be Encouraged. I'm, I'm sure most of you know uh, and understand what it means to be weary, uh, but just quickly to make sure we're all singing from the same hymnal, uh, when we talk about weary, I want to provide a couple of definitions just quickly. Webster defined weary in this way, that it was to have the strength much exhausted by toil or violent exertion, to be tired, to be fatigued, to have the patience exhausted or the mind yielding to discouragement. Strong defined it this way, said it is to be utterly spiritless, to be wearied out, to be exhausted, to be utterly spiritless, to be wearied out, to be exhausted. 
to be spiritless. God's desired state for His children is not that they should be weary. But I do want you to know that our adversary rejoices when he sees us weary. Because he knows if we are tired, if we are exhausted, if we are utterly spiritless, that our effectiveness in the cause of Christ is greatly diminished. Our adversary sees our weariness and he says, good, keep them weary. God sees our weariness and he says, rise up, my child, do not be faint, but be encouraged. And we see Scripture again and again and again, encouraging wearied hearts. We see Paul instructing us not to grow weary. In fact, at one point, that's all he says. He says, don't grow weary. And in another place, he says, don't grow weary, because we will reap in due season if we faint not. Paul's instruction to the churches again and again and again. He knew weariness. Listen, if anybody had a reason to be weary, it was Paul. And so Paul knew weariness, and he knew it well, but he instructed the churches. He said, don't grow weary. Keep going. Just a little further. Yes, I know sometimes your back hurts from sowing all this seed, but you will only reap if you sow. So don't grow weary. Keep on going. The book of Isaiah in the 40th chapter, we've, we've heard it quoted. In fact, back when I was in high school, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes had it on t-shirts about how youth grow tired and weary and young men will utterly fall, but those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Right before that verse, though, the prophet Isaiah says this about weariness. He says that God does not grow weary. Isn't that awesome? God's never tired. He's never exhausted. He's never worried. He's never anxious. God has control over all things. So he has no reason to weariness. He is mightier than anything. His strength is, is exceedingly great. There is nothing that is beyond his ability to do. So he does not grow weary. We grow weary. God does not. And that should tell us a little bit about how we can find a way to overcome weariness. Read with me in Luke chapter 18, and, and this is a, a parable that Jesus is teaching. He's teaching specifically about prayer, and he's specifically teaching about being weary in prayer, but I think that, that we would do well in the context to also look to this and other things as it relates to us trying to, to find a cure for weariness. Read with me just the first eight verses of Luke chapter 18. The first eight verses of Luke chapter 18. And it says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, 
Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And that is a, a question mark uh, there at the end of that eighth verse. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Jesus is teaching by way of a parable. And he goes into another parable right after this, that parable of the, the Pharisee and of the publican, one of my favorite uh, scriptures in, in, in all the Bible. Um, but, but here, before he gets to, to that one, he's, he's talking about prayer. And he is giving encouragement to, to his disciples, giving encouragement to the people that they would not be weary in how they pray. We see it later on in Scripture and in the different epistles about how Paul, the different writers, wrote to the churches to encourage them to pray continuously, to be instant in season and out of season. And that applies both to preaching and to prayer as well. That we should be praying all the time. To, to pray without ceasing. To, to pray continually. But here he's saying that men are always everywhere to pray. Always to pray and not to, to faint. Not, not to, to, to give up, not to, to, not to lose heart. Said in, he compares it to one who would be a, a judge in a city who was an unrighteous judge, who didn't fear God and didn't regard or have respect for the people. And having neither fear of God nor respect for the people, he was an unrighteous and unjust judge. Yet there was a widow who had some legal issue, some, some legal matter with somebody else, and, and she needed the judge to, to, to rule or, or to, to, to make the, the right protection for her that she was looking for in this legal matter. And at first he wanted to hear. Yet this widow woman, she just kept coming to him, petitioning him again and again and again, seeking after the protection of the judge. And eventually this judge relented. And he said, although I do not fear God, he said within himself, the scripture says, the parable that Jesus taught says, says that he said within himself, although I don't fear God, and although I don't have regard for people, nevertheless, unless this woman continually comes to me, I will avenge her. Jesus gives this as an example. And he tells us the lesson. He says, do you hear what the unjust judge said? He said, And shall not God then avenge His own elect, His own people, His own children, who cried day and night unto Him, though He bear long with them? He says, How much better is God than this unrighteous judge? Yet this unrighteous judge at the continual petition of this widow woman who he had no regard for eventually relented. How much more will God hear the prayers of His people? Though we pray day and though we pray night and though sometimes it seems as if the answer that we're looking for is so far away and though it seems sometimes as though our prayers we're just not seeing God answer them as quickly as we would like. What Jesus is teaching here in this parable is to not lose heart, to not grow faint, to not be weary, but to continue to beat down the doors of heaven until God hears and answers your prayer. Isn't that cool? I mean, sometimes I think that we think that this prayer just has to be this, this real formal thing, and if God gives it to us, great. If not, great. You know, we'll just kind of go on our happy way. But Jesus is teaching that we would come continuously unto the Lord, day and night, even with the same petition, knowing and trusting that God hears us. And although He knows the time better than we do, He will answer us in due season. Isn't that awesome? 
Don't grow weary. Take everything to the Lord in prayer. So Derek, then you ask, is, is prayer is prayer how we overcome weariness? I want you to know the answer is yes, but it's a yes and. There's other ways, other things that we must have to overcome weariness. And you see that here in what Jesus says at the very last verse that we read here in the 8th verse. He says, I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. It says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall He find faith on the earth? He's asking you really a rhetorical question here at the end of this parable, asking when, when He comes back, will there be faith here on earth? And you look and you say, well, is that fitting? How, how does that fit into to this parable? Let me ask you a question. What does Scripture teach us about prayer as it relates to what we pray for or how we pray for something? If we pray, and all we're praying is, is we're treating it as though we're throwing a, a penny into a wishing well, where is our faith? We are in faith to pray believing. That's the manner of prayer. That we're praying, trusting, and believing that the one to whom we pray is capable and able to answer. And not just answer in some small way, but to answer in all ways that we're able to even, even think or imagine. That God is capable and able not just to hear your prayer, but to answer your prayer according to His will. So it is not merely persistency in prayer alone that is our cure for weariness, so surely we know that that is, that is how we find strength. But it is also believing that with faith we are certain that God is able to take those circumstances of our weariness and overcome them. So then, we see these cures for weariness. But, but, but what then? You're probably saying, dear God, I, I know all these things. And though I pray, and it seems as if I go through life and there is a prayer always upon my heart, and I trust and I know, and I've been taught from the time that I was a small child, that God is able to deal with these situations, that even though these situations are bigger than I am, they're not bigger than God. I know these things, Derek, but I'm just so tired. I'm so worn out. I'm exhausted. I'm utterly spiritless. What do I do? How do I overcome this weary heart? I call you to prayer. Not just, hey God, if it's all right, I call you to bold prayer where you beat down the door of heaven until God hears you and He opens unto you the door upon which you knock. I call you to steadfast faith when you pray. But Scripture tells us further concerning prayer. Over in the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, in the opening verses there in that 12th chapter, it follows right after that famous 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews where it deals with, with those men, those women that we see in Scripture who are examples of great faithfulness. And that 11th chapter concludes and the 12th chapter opens and it tells us that we have this, this cloud of witnesses 
that we have these examples around us and seeing this great cloud of witnesses, we're encouraged to lay aside every weight and every sin that easily causes us to stumble. He says, all these things that you're dealing with, seeing that we have these examples, lay aside those things. Now, I want to talk for a second about, about those men and women we see in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And I'm not going to, to go through that in any great detail. But I want you to know that if you read through there, there are examples of brothers and sisters that knew weariness. They knew what it was to be troubled. They knew what it was to be conflicted. They knew what it was to deal with worry and anxiety and just to be so overwhelmed with trouble that they didn't know how it was that they were going to hardly even take their next breath. Yet they persevered and they persevered through faith. And so the Hebrew writer gives all these examples and he gets to the 12th chapter and he says, seeing all these examples... Lay aside every weight and every sin that causes us to stumble. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And then he says this. He says, but not only seeing that cloud of witnesses, but looking to Jesus. He says, looking to Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down now at the right hand of the throne of God. Then he says this in verse 3, For consider Him that endured such Excuse me, that, consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. The Hebrew writer understood this human condition. And he talked throughout the 11th chapter of all these examples of brothers and sisters who went through similar situations and trials and troubles as we go through, yet by faith continue to trust God. And he says, seeing this cloud of witnesses, he says, stop sinning. Isn't that something? I mentioned earlier about how God's, the, the desired state of God for His people is not weariness. Do you know what the desired state that God, of, of God's people is? What state God desires His people to be in? Holiness. God desires His people to be in a state of holiness. Listen, you're not going to overcome your weariness if you are stuck and you are, are, are just married down or, or just bogged down with sin. You're, you're not going to overcome your weariness. You will only overcome weariness when you lay aside sin. Do you hear me? You might find relief for a moment. But so long as you continue to, 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 to interact with sin in any way, you're going to find yourself again and again and again in the grasp of weariness. God desires His people to be in a state of holiness. I think that's cool. It's not that He wants His people to just be happy all the time. He wants us to have joy. Don't get me wrong. But he wants His people to be holy. Isn't that what He said? said, be ye holy. Why? As I'm holy. God desires us to take on His nature of holiness. 
How do we do that? It's not by just that cloud of witnesses. Listen, that cloud of witnesses, though they are examples to us, us of supreme faithfulness, those brothers and those sisters, they were not holy like Jesus is. And he says, so to look to Jesus, who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. The death that Jesus died was the death of a sinner, the death of a criminal. It was a contradiction against himself. He endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. And the Hebrew writer is calling us to look to him and to fix our eyes upon him, lest we would be wearied and faint in our minds. And if you need an example of this, ask Peter. You guys know that story well, don't you? About how Peter stepped out on the water. Saw Jesus walking on the water, coming to him as he was out in the boat at night. And he, the, the, the seas were, were boisterous and the, the storm and the tempest was grown up. And, and, and things were, were just not looking good for the people that were on the boat. And, and they see Jesus coming to them, walking on the water. And Peter, being as Peter was, he says, hey, hey, hey. He says, if this be Jesus, bid me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter steps out on that water. And wouldn't you know it, for a moment... Peter was standing on the water looking at Jesus who was also standing on the water. <laughs> For a moment in time, Peter was looking Jesus square in the face while both stood on water. But what happened next? Peter remembered the storm. He remembered the waves. He remembered the wind. And he looked around him, and doubt began to enter into his heart as he looked around him at all the circumstances of life that were going on, of the trouble that was brewing around him, and he began to sink. And immediately what happened? Jesus reached out his hand, and he took Peter by the hand, and he pulled him up, and he said, Peter, when did you doubt? Why did you doubt? <laughs> Can I just make a comment about that? That, that, that that account. I know it's one of those most famous accounts in all the scripture and we love it so well and we teach it to our children when they're young and all these things. But I want you to just think for a moment the fact that Jesus was standing on such solid ground, even though he was standing on water, that he was able to pull Peter up out of it. Those two things aren't supposed to happen together. <laughs> But for Jesus, it was fully underneath his control that he was able to lift Peter up, even though he himself was standing on the same water that was pulling Peter under. That's awesome. That's good stuff. But it was when Peter took his eyes off Jesus that he remembered all that had made him weary in the first place. So how do we overcome weariness? I want to tell you four things. It is through prayer. It is through faithfulness. It is through holiness. And it's through looking upon Jesus. I know that there are so many things here in this present moment of time that we live in that could cause us to grow weary 
situations at home, situations with family, situation with finances, situation in, in, in our workplaces and in our schools, situations just, just as we look societal, at society, and I'm not just talking about the, the situation with coronavirus, but other situations, there's every situation that we could probably identify that would cause us to grow weary. Yet the admonishment of Scripture is don't, don't be weary, but just keep going on. When you're, when, you're, when you're worried, pray. Take it to God. Take it to Him again and again and again. Be persistent in your prayer. And when your faith is weak, pray that God would strengthen your faith. That you for a little while might have prayer that, that, that wells up with inside of you anew and afresh. That you might want to, to take on that next challenge to withstand that weariness a little bit longer. The admonishment of Scripture is to lay aside every sin that besets us. Listen, you will remain in your weary state if you continue to interact with that sin that desires to cause you to stumble. Leave it behind. Remove it from you. Lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. The prophet Isaiah, later on in his writing, says this. He's writing concerning the Lord. He says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. When we are in the pits of our weariness, in the depths of our weariness, we can ask God to help us. And just as Jesus reached out to Peter, God reaches out to us again and he is the best best deliverer of people out of weariness he is our hope he is our strength and not listen not only will he help us and strengthen us and encourage us and and take away our weariness and and give to us peace and joy it's not that it'll last just for a short season but He is also our buckler and our shield. And you know what else the psalmist calls Him? He calls God our high tower. It is as though God takes us up and He sets us down in the midst of a fortress in which no weariness, no harm can enter into the walls of the fortress that we find in God. We are safe and we are secure within the arms of our Father. So I want to encourage you today. If you're like me, you're weary. But there is encouragement. And there is encouragement that is found in our Father. I pray that God would strengthen all of us. <clears throat> that He would help all of us. He doesn't want to see us weary. He wants to see us encouraged. He wants to see us continuing to press towards the, the mark that is the high calling of God. He wants to see us holy. So today, if you're weary, I pray that you would consider these four things. You'd pray, persistently pray, that you would grow in your faith, that you would seek after holiness, and that you'd fix your eyes upon the Lord. I think.